raindrops on roses, whiskers on kittens, bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens, brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favourite things. And special guest today on Favourites is one of the greatest voices the world has ever known, Craig Willis. Hello, Craig. G'day, Simon. I thought you were introducing Placido Domingo there for a moment. Uh, how good it is to be with you, my friend. It is lovely. Now, where does this voice come from? Is it the mum's side of the family or your dad's? Just excuse the squeaking in the background. It's Rex the Wonder Dog has found a toy that he got for Christmas that he hasn't destroyed yet. Um, no, I don't. Look, I really don't know, Simon. I, I was just lucky it was there. Um, I tell the story of a fellow in Sydney uh, whose name I can't remember now, but I think I was about 16 or 17, and he, he used to give voice lessons to prospective radio announcers. Yeah. Um, I think basically for the ABC at the time, because you used to have to have a good voice to be on radio, especially with the ABC. Uh, and I rang him and asked him about perhaps getting some guidance. And he said, I can tell straight away, dear boy, over the telephone, you have no career uh, ahead of you in radio. <laughs> I often think, oh, geez, I would love to have given him another call a few years later. But that's by the by. Now, look, I really don't know, Simon. I was just lucky it was there. That's uh, like not unlike Dennis Walters' story where his, he was expelled from school. Oh, he wasn't expelled. He was just told he wasn't coming back the next year. And uh, his teacher said that you'll never amount to anything in life, Walter. And look at him now. And what a gentleman. And how good, Simon, was it to see him there on, on the carols on Christmas Eve. Oh, Wonderful. That's, a, that's always fantastic. But enough about Dennis Walter. Let's get on to Craig Willis. So now, Craig, born and raised where? Born in Sydney. Um, in uh, Eastwood was the suburb where I, I grew up. Um, I have a family connection that goes back there for many years. Um, and my father worked at the Parramatta City Council. Uh, he was a clerk, went away to the Second World War and served in New Guinea, came back and continued on with the council. It was amalgamated into Parramatta City, and he ended up becoming the what they called then the town clerk or the CEO of the council. Um, he was there for 52 years, so you can imagine his reaction when I left school, yeah. or was asked to leave school, um, when I said, I'm going to get a job in radio. Oh. He could not see that I would have any future in that industry. He wanted me to become, uh, I was offered a cadetship with Repco. Um, he also thought perhaps the Army was a good option for me at one stage. But um, no, I had my hell-bent uh, desire to work on the wireless, and luckily uh, they came into fruition. That's wonderful. Where, where did your mum and dad meet? I, I like to ask that question occasionally. A lot of people don't know, but do you know? I do. They met at Milne Bay in New Guinea. My father was a, a captain in brigade headquarters, and mum was a very proud service woman. She served with the, the lay contingent of the Australian Women's Army, the AWARS as they're called, and um, she was one of only 1,300 women to serve overseas uh, particularly in New Guinea, um, and she went there as a stenographer uh, and also as a camouflage expert. And uh, Dad was at Brigade Headquarters, and they met at Mill Bay, but they couldn't fraternise because of the other ranks rules. So Dad was an officer, oh. Mum was a corporal. So they rekindled their uh, relationship, if you like, uh, after the war, uh, back in Sydney. Dad didn't get back till late 1946. He was involved in what they called mopping up operations throughout Bougainville and uh, Rabaul, uh, parts of New Guinea uh, and New Britain. Um, so he was tasked with finding often Australian troops who were still prisoners of war uh, and Japanese who didn't know the war had ended. Um, but he never talked about it. Um, 
Yeah. To me, sadly. Uh, mum, mum talked about her service, but Dad never discussed it with me at all. No, that's that's not uncommon for the time either. It's certainly not, no. Mm. Uh, so now, young Craig Willis, uh, any siblings, uh, older, younger, none? Uh, one sister. She lives up on the Sunshine Coast. She has uh, uh, three youngsters and a couple of grandkids now, of course. Um, yeah, so just her and I grew up uh, in Eastwood, which was a uh, you know, middle sort of class suburb. Um, uh, still have a lot of friends from from the, those days. Uh, Jack Newton, the late golfer, his dad was our sergeant of police. Wow! Um, in that area where I where I grew up, um, and uh, Mr. Newton, we were absolutely petrified of him. <laughs> uh, so Jack and uh, Jack and I actually went to the same school. Jack was a little bit older than I. Um, that was at Epping Boys High School. Uh, Ivor Davies from Ice House and I went to school together there. Oh, is that right? Um, yeah, at, uh, at Epping. He, he was um, IVOR in those days and all of a sudden became IVA. Uh, um, yeah, but he lived uh, with his mum in Blacksland Road Eastward and his mum was a very accomplished painter, of all things, and he won a scholarship at the Conservatorium of Music as an oboe player. I'd never knew. No, I never knew he played oboe. I don't remember seeing that in the film clips. Well, he was actually um, in the school band. I played the drums. He played every other instrument. Um, He was a remarkable uh, talent, even in those days. And we had a music teacher named Margaret Biggs who recognised that talent and nurtured him to apply for a scholarship. Excuse me. Can you hear that squeaking in the background? (laughs) It's wonderful. Yes. That's that's okay. (laughs) uh, It's Rex with another toy. Um, so yeah, so and then of course he formed the the group Flowers, yes. that then morphed into into Ice House, and uh, he's been back on the road again too. I've noticed too, yeah. as well. So he's about the most famous bloke I went to school with. Uh, he'll probably tell you that I was the most famous bloke he went to school with. Oh, that's all right. A, a mutual admiration society. We love a bit of that. That's all good. Oh, you've got to love it, Simon. You work in radio. You've been in radio long <laughs> enough to understand what a mutual. Society's like. <laughs> uh, now, um, your sister did she did radio beckon her as well, or did she not? No, interested? no, she went into a, a clerical uh, career and uh, married a, a bloke from Melbourne, and they lived out at Mount Evelyn. But all of a sudden, she announced that they were moving to Queensland to Caloundra. Oh, nice! And um, she's been there for oh, close to thirty-five plus years, I suppose. But of course, um, she's seen a lot of development up there. She lives uh, around Maloolabar now, but. You know, that area was um, just a mum and dad's, you know, a beachside place with um, brick veneer houses. And now, of course, you go up there and it's just full of apartments and uh, beaches and, you know, not a bad spot, though. Not a bad spot. Simon, I could never live in Queensland. I love my seasons. Yes. I I don't like the humidity. But mind you, we've copped enough of it down here this year. It's been awful. Somebody pointed out to me the other day in the supermarket over the farm that there was more humid in Mansfield than it was in Darwin. <laughs> That's wonderful. Now, uh, how did going on here? How, how did uh, Craig Willis uh, land that first gig in radio? What, what what steps did you take once you decided that that was the career for you? I started as a dispatch boy at George Patterson's advertising agency, two five two George Street. Um, we were uh, office boys, basically, and I started on the same day with a bloke called Hans Torv, who oh. at the time was Rupert Murdoch's brother-in-law. His sister Anna was married to, to Rupert Murdoch. And the other bloke I started with was a fellow called Les Gock. Now, Simon, you know your music backwards. Yep. Les Gock was the lead singer. Yes, I know. Hush. I, oh, hush. Uh, hush. Okay, yes, yes. 
had hair down to the top of his backside, um, <laughs> but it was a lovely bloke. And so um, we all started on the same day. But one of my jobs was to deliver tapes, There's tapes in those days, to radio stations. And one was to TUW in Sydney at 365 Kent Street. And the um, operations manager was a bloke called Roger Summerall. And he said, we're looking for an office boy here. I said, when can I start? He said, next week. And that's how I came to start it there as a cadet, I think they called me. And then um, John Laws was the star attraction at uh, 2UW. There was, on there was Malcolm T. Elliott, um, Phil Hunter, Chris Kearns, Sam Gallier. But John Laws was the, the main man, 9 or 12. And um, I used to give him tapes. And he'd say, yeah, no, you could do better than that. Boy. Anyway, unbeknown to me, you sent a tape off to a place called Lithgow um, on the other side of the Blue Mountains, and that was my first station, 2LT. Uh, jo- what, John did that on your behalf, did he? He sent it off without telling me, yes. Wow. <laughs> so, so there we go. That was 1973. Wow, that's not bad, is it, to have uh, John Laws recommending you for a gig? Well, I've, um, I've, I have lived to thank him for it. I'm not sure if I really wanted to thank him, but I mean, in the cold hard light of day, it was a very kind thing to do. And he was like that. A uh, great broadcaster and a very decent human being as well. Yes, yes. Um, he and he, he broke so much talent over the years as well. He's uh, he's the, the biggest of all time, I would uh, dare say. I, I would say that he would go down um, probably as our Best ever uh, in terms of longevity on air. He's still going. Yes. Um, but also uh, as a broadcaster, he he taught so many uh, people how to operate on air. Um, but also when you think about talk break was in its infancy. Yeah. Because um, he was a music announcer. That's right. But then talk back came into being and um, he became really one of the, the pioneers of talk back radio. Hmm. Uh, now, Craig Willis's next step, because once you're out at a place like 2LT, normally it's a, a case of how can I get into a bigger market? So did you follow that sort of path? In, in a sort of a roundabout way, but I, I spent some time in Canberra. I uh, went to Christmas Island to work for a couple of months as a, a fill-in over there for uh, the uh, federal government. Had a little radio station there, VLU2, on Christmas Island. Don't bother, Simon. It's 52 square miles of bird crap. Um <laughs> Came back, uh, I went to Wagga for a while to 2WG, had a great time there. A lot of friends to this day that I made there when I played, of all things, rugby union in Wagga. And then um, uh, 2GB beckoned in Sydney. So I was offered a, a sort of a general announcer's role there, but I basically worked on racing uh, with John Tapp and Damien Raidler, the brother of uh, John Raidler, the oh, man yes. who said, Stand up, Australia, we've won the America's Cup. Yes. So uh, Tappy and, uh, and Damien were great friends and still are to this day. Um, and then all of a sudden, um, I had an offer for a job with 3UZ um, back in its halcyon days. Um, Tony Barber had just signed up to do the breakfast show. Bert Newton, of course, was was on here. We had Martha Gardner, Ugly Dave Gray with uh, Peter James, Darren's dad. Yes. Uh, George Danes, Bill Gates was the program director. Dixie was working there as well. So, um, yeah, so I started down there at 3UZ. It was a, a great lineup back then, wasn't it? Well, it was. And, of course, you know, as you'd remember, Simon, you being a great historian of the wireless, that, um, you know, to work at 3UZ was a great honour and uh, a privilege, to be honest. And mm. um, it really was in those days. Bob Cornish was the general manager of the radio station. It was at Burke Street when I first started, uh, and that's where I first began my association with Father Gerard Dowling. 
Oh, on the, yes. uh, the Family Council, the program on a Sunday night. Of course, we lost uh, Jared not that long ago. Lovely man. And Philip and I interviewed him only uh, probably about two months before he passed. He, he celebrated a milestone of, uh, it was 60, 70, 90-something years in radio. I can't remember exactly. But, uh, we, yeah, we, 50 years, 50 years 50 on air. Years. Yeah, yeah. So we, we uh, were lucky enough to be able to grab him for a chat. Uh, and sadly, yeah, it wasn't uh, that long after that he sadly passed. Yes, he did, and uh, just a beautiful bloke. So I enjoyed my time working with uh, with Jerry at, uh, at the Greater Three. You said Sunday nights, ten till midnight. The family counsellor, Father uh, Jared Darling. Now, a, a little footnote to uh, Father Dowling was that um, uh, after his passing, we received an email. Philip and I, of course, do remember when in that same time slot. And Philip received mm-hmm. an email from uh, a loyal Philip Brady fan, uh, but not that loyal because her, her email basically said, now that Father Dowling's gone, I'm going to be listening to you again. <laughs> again? Yes. So, so it's, it's a sort of a backhanded compliment in, in that sense. She must have started on a crystal set then. Yes, exactly, yes. Um, now, so when did you, so through UZ, when did you make the leap across to AW or was there other stuff in between? No, no, it was um, a, a chance meeting through um, John Blackman, actually. Um, Barry Scanlon was Darren Hinch's announcer and Barry was going to take over as the production manager at 3AW in Latrobe Street. And they were looking for an announcer for Darren. Yes. And I thought, well, that's an interesting move. Um, and at the time, 3UZ had dropped racing. Um, had decided that uh, they were sick of the TAB telling them what they could telecast or broadcast, I should say. So um, the opportunity to join up with 3AW came, um, and that is coming up to being 40 years ago. Wow. That Darren's birthday is coming up in next month, in February, and I started with him at his 40th uh, birthday. I started in the January, and uh, his birthday, his 40th birthday was in the February. Yes. Of the year that I started with him at, uh, at 3AW. So that marks 40 years of association with this great radio station. Which is a, a fantastic milestone. And it's uh, the 40th, uh, uh, Darren's 40th, I seem to recall, he stayed up all night uh, for his party and uh, then yes. came in and did his show the next morning. He did. He yes. did. It was at the Underground, uh, Brian Goldsmith's establishment, down there in King Street. And I went home at a reasonable hour. Uh, came into work the next morning at around 6.30-ish and he was sitting at his desk with his white frilly dinner suit shirt on, uh, looking like death warmed up and I thought this would be good. We got on air at 8.30 and you wouldn't have known. He went straight through till midday, good as gold, and then said, right, we're off to lunch, off to the flower drum. Is that right? <laughs> that was a good old day, Simon. You went from lunch from 1 till 2, 1 p.m. till 2 a.m. Exactly. Yes, legendary uh, days they were. And uh, and uh, Darren used to tell the wonderful story of, uh, because back then credit cards were used with those zip-zip machines uh, that no one ever knows what the na- name of those things are. But he scored Bruce Mansfield's credit card and uh, and ran off multiple copies on the, on those forms and, and uh, kept threatening Bruce Mansfield that Bruce was going to be shouting. And, uh, and, of course, Bruce would have been terrified by such a thought. We love Bruce to death, but Bruce was a man who was very careful with his money. He was. <laughs> he was. And um, it, was, it was quite well known, actually, that... Um, that um, Darren was terribly generous, probably over generous, I would say, would have described him. But yes, um, Bruce Bruce did like to keep an eye on the shillingy. Let's put it that way. Lovely bloke. <laughs> he did too. Uh, now, so Craig, the 
other gigs that you have outside of AW? You've done, you've been the voice of the AFL and the voice of the Australian Open. Wonderful jobs. A lot of enjoyment out of those. Oh, indeed. A lot of work, of course, Simon. People think, you know, that's all very well and good to stand up there or stand on the court and do all the introductions and occasionally the post-match interviews, but it's a lot of work. Um, I, I miss it in some ways. In other ways, I don't miss it. I don't miss the hours involved at the tennis. Uh, people forget, from my point of view, it wasn't just the Australian Open. It was the two weeks that led up to it as well, yep. uh, which were day nights. Um, so... You know, you get to Melbourne after having done a fortnight of, you know, nine o'clock starts and finishing some mornings at two in the morning. Um, and that was fine. Um, and then what used to annoy me was after week one of the Australian Open, some of the people sitting there go, oh, I'm so tired. You know, I'm like, <laughs> tired. Hey, hold the phone a minute. Um, uh, yeah, look, that was a, a terrific time there and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And, um, yeah, the AFL was great. Um, I still have a lot of friends from, from those days and, um, you know, but the whole game has changed now, Simon. It's uh, we live in a woke world, which is fine, and yes. um, I, I miss it in some ways. In other ways, I'm glad I don't do it anymore. Put it that way. Well, now you've also um, the technology allows you to uh, to live wherever you like nowadays, and just uh, and zip off the occasional track when required. So, so that still happens yeah. for you. Yeah, I, I can't remember the last time I was in a recording studio. To be quite honest with you, as yeah. I, I have a. A, a modest home set up um, uh, here in Melbourne at the apartment, but also at the farm. I have uh, a good-sized studio there. And uh, in this day and age, people send you a, a script email, you record it um, on a simple recording program, which you can just download into your laptop, and whip it back, and the quality of it is uh, as good as if you were standing there with um, our friend Gary or uh, Andre at 3AW. Yes. Um, so the technology that uh, that you and I have both experienced in the time that we've been involved in this caper um, is just remarkable. Look, I can remember editing tape with little bits of white tape and a little block thing. And yes. um, I'm, I'm good mates with Greg Evans, and I see Greg a fair bit, and we were reminiscing uh, the other day about the things that we used to do to go on air, um, starting the transmitter up. You know, with the, the valves waiting for them to warm up. Yes. Uh, you had one, what we call a cart machine. That's right. One turntable. This, this sort of thing. But this day and age, when I look at the control panel that, that you operate at, at 3AW, um, I, I used to do the panelling, if you like, for, for Darren's program, along with Darren James. But um, I'd probably need some instruction for about a month <laughs> to be able to use the equipment that is now part of technology. Well, no, um, but I, you, you have to adapt. You have to learn, as you know. Well, absolutely. When I started at 3AW, we were still using cart machines, but we had just yep. begun to move to having all of our commercials on a, a computer system. And I, I complained to Bruce about having to use uh, cart machines and how difficult it was. And he said, well, when I was a uh, panel operator for Stan Rofe, everything was on disc and you'd, you'd, uh, the panel operator <laughs> job was a standing job. And you'd have to queue up, you know, turntables and have one finger there yeah. holding that one, spin that off, and then queue up correct, the next one. Correct. Yes, he said, oh, yeah, you, well, you, I, you panel operators with cart machines have it easy. I, I remember playing Beck's commercials off disc. Yes. Uh, back when I started in, in radio back in 1973, and you had one switch that went from the one cart machine to the turntable. So as soon as the Beck's is better, 
you'd flick the switch up and then hit the button on the cart machine to get the next commercial on. Yeah. These yeah. young blokes have got it so easy these days. They no, don't understand. They, 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 no they, technique. We, we fire off an ad break and turn around and yak with the producer for the next two and a half minutes. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Very easy. Anyway, look, and, and it'll only improve. I mean, the technology that we have. When you think about it, imagine telling your grandmother this. You know, like your Bluetooth. You know, can you imagine telling some people Bluetooth, oh, exactly. mobile phones, yes. you know, all that stuff that we use these days. <laughs> now, uh, Craig Willis, I should get into uh, some of these favourites, which is sort of the whole point of this, the segment. I've got here 50... Oh, I knew there was some reason you had me on. Oh, Good yes. Lord. Well, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well I, I just like... I Originally, when I, I had the idea for this, I thought I'd, I'd run through 50 questions, uh, but then I found the preamble to the 50 questions... Um, actually took up most of the time and then I, I just couldn't be bothered with the questions at the end because I just enjoyed the preamble, just the casual chat as, as we've just had. But uh, but I, I stick them in there at the end. So I've got I've got 50 questions, but what I do is close my eyes, randomly point at one and then ask you what your yep. favourite one of those things are. Uh, right So Craig Willis, favourite clothing item? Probably my dry-as-a-bone jacket at the farm. Oh, that's nice. That's very Australian. Have you got a uh, wide-brimmed wide brimmed Cobra with it? I have a wide-brimmed Thomas Cook hat oh, that nice. I wear. Yeah, lovely. Uh, Favourite book character? Um, probably um, John Connolly, who writes some wonderful, uh, very weird-type books. Um, yeah, he would be one of my favourite authors. But from a character, do you know... This is going back to my youth. Mm -hmm. Probably uh, Biggles and oh, yes. Jennings and Derbyshire. You'll have to Google that one. Yeah, that one I'm not familiar with. Yeah, Jennings and Derbyshire. There you go. All right. Uh, Favourite politician? And this can be you know, either side of politics. You don't have to show any favour here. It's just someone who's caught your attention as a politician. Well, I, 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 the late Tom Reynolds was a dear friend. Tom was the Minister for Sport for many years. And he was a, a knockabout bloke. He was a shearer. He had the hardware store in Romsey. And um, he, he just got into Parliament for the right reason. So he was uh, always one of my favourites. And if I have a current one, can't think of him. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's fair enough. Uh, favourite favorite phrase or saying? Well, I have plenty that I don't like. Yeah. Uh, I can assure you of that. But, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Favourite saying, yeah, here we go, you ready? Yeah, yep. Have I ever told you the time that? Yes. Which sounds a bit like the title of Sam Neill's book, doesn't it? But yes. Yeah, that's good. It always leads to an interesting story, yes. Some sort of, yeah, usually uh, bullish, but anyway. <laughs> well, de depends, on, depends on how late in the evening it is, yes. Um, correct, yes. Favourite home-cooked meal? Well, now, I should get uh, Donna in on this one, but um, she does a thing called, now, I think it's Japanese chicken karaage. We call it chicken garage. <laughs> uh, that would be right up, uh, up there. And, and a schnitzel. Anything to do with a schnitzel, I'm in. Oh, yeah, nice. Can't go wrong there. Uh, Favourite moment this yeah. year? In the early days, uh, waking up on New Year's Day would be one of them. Um <laughs> I think probably gazing out the window the other day at the farm and thinking I'd, and I'd spent the whole day mowing the day before and I looked out the window and I thought, I just love this place. 
Yeah, I just had one of those moments of just that favourite of thinking, I just love being here. Yeah. And the girl was with me, and I, I said, I always say to her, I just love being here. So, yeah, um, yeah that would be one of the favourite moments. Just everything was neat and tidy, all done. And I stood there looking out the window, I thought, no wonder I love being here. Yeah. How long have you been at the farm? 21 years now. Yeah. Um, it's funny, I, I interviewed, of all the people, <laughs> our dear friend Ross Stevenson. Uh, late last year about something and I said now Ross you bought a place and built a place in the country do you realise now that you should have done it 20 years ago and his answer was yes yes and yes yeah, yeah. so yeah best thing I ever did best thing yeah that is lovely that's that's a good note to finish on uh, Craig Willis been lovely to catch up with you uh, I've loved your work over all many years and that beautiful voice is just uh, so soothing to hear Simon it's Always a pleasure to catch up with you, my friend. Would you give my love to Phil, too, when you see him next? I certainly um, What a great man he is. And um, uh, 3AW will be stronger than ever in 2024. Let's hope, yes. Thank you very much, Craig Willis.